There's uh, a mantra that I like to live by. It's called flow. And the, and the F is focus. L, live in the energy. O, outcome detachment. And W is work. Hey, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 290 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I talk to inspirational people about everything from their highest highs and toughest moments to essential tips on how to live a healthier, happier, more motivated life. We all go through our fair share of hurdles. My goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride towards your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I cannot be more amped to bring you my chat with Monique. Billings. She's a player for the Los Angeles Sparks, which was announced legitimately in the days leading up to this conversation. Previously, Monique played for the Atlanta Dream since 2018, and she's coming home. She's coming back to where she grew up. We had the chance to chat when we were both in San Francisco for Athleta's corporate conference, Athleta Quest. Monique is a member of their Power of She collective. And truly, the whole experience and recording this with Monique in my hotel room was truly one of a kind. It was such a special opportunity, not only to join in community with so many people who prioritize movement and overall well-being, but also to flex my keynote skills and then moderate a panel that Monique was on. I sat on stage with, I'm going to name these quickly, Monique, Heather O'Reilly, who used to play on the U.S. Women's National Team and Olympian, Katie Zafaris, who is a triathlete, also an Olympic medalist, and then Natalie Coughlin. Hi, an Olympic medalist as well, a former pro swimmer. So much amazingness on one stage. I've never been surrounded by a more decorated group of women, and I was in awe of them. But I digress. Back to Monique. Like I said today, she is a player for the Los Angeles Sparks, but she's also, without a doubt, one of the most down-to-earth humans I've had the pleasure of ever sitting down with. In our chat today, she talks about getting into basketball at a young age, thanks to the encouragement of her father, and how she has carved out this path for herself where sport doesn't define her, which I really, really admire. I appreciate her sentiments of what keeps her grounded, including her faith and her bigger wellness practices like yoga and affirmations. And then on that note, how we speak to ourselves, Monique offers up some really solid advice on how to cultivate a positive inner dialogue. Make sure you're following along with Hurdle over on social. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I myself am over at Emily Abadi. And if you're not yet subscribed to the weekly Hurdle newsletter, I would love for you to get so much of the same things you love about the show directly in your inbox every single Friday. Tips, tricks, my favorite picks. Wow, I did not intend for that all to rhyme, but I'm talking what I'm reading, what I'm watching, the gear that I'm loving, quotes, prompts, you name it. The link to subscribe in the show notes, it's absolutely free. And with that, <laughs> let's get to it. Let's get to hurdling. 
Today, I'm sitting down with Monique Billings. How are hey. we doing? I'm fabulous. Excited to be here. Fabulous. We love it. Big week for you. Yes. Like right off the bat, I want to do a how are you feeling really moment. I really think I'm trying to figure that out. I'm grateful. I'm excited, nervous. You know, there's a lot of big changes that are going on, but I'm just trying to stay grounded, trying to stay present. Yeah. Yeah. So for those that are just getting in the loop here, we're going back to LA. Yes. Your girl's going home. Going home. It's it's about time. Yeah. yeah. I think so too. Um, six seasons in Atlanta. It's been a beautiful journey there. Uh, never thought I would actually like... Coming from California, I never thought I would be like a Southern girl and just love it out there. So I'm definitely going to miss it. It's bittersweet, but I'm really excited to be coming home. What's the most difficult part for you about not necessarily knowing what the future holds within your career? Yeah. I mean, I'm a planner. I like knowing like, okay, this is the market I'm going to be in. I know this person in this city. We're going to... This is my schedule, my playing schedule, like just having it all figured out. And so that two to three week period in free agency where you don't know is stressful because like people will be hitting you up like, hey, where are you going to be this summer? What are we doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I'll get Mm. back to you soon. So I think just the uncertainty of it. What do you feel most excited for when it comes to going back to the West Coast? Honestly, my mom and my sister coming to my games. Um, I went to UCLA and my mom, my dad, and my sister were able to come to all of my games. My dad passed two years ago. And so when I think about just how they were all able to come to my games when I was at UCLA, I just realized how much I took that for granted. Like I Mm. thought it was going to be for everything. And so now being able to come back to LA, my mom and my sister being able to come to my games, it's just going to be really special and something that I think with more maturity now, I'm just going to really not take it for granted this time around. Yeah. I hate to jump in on this tip, but because you brought it up, let's talk a little bit about your dad. Yeah. What's it been like continuing on in sport now that he's passed? Well, honestly, I feel like I just want to honor him through sport. He's the one that got me started in basketball. And before he passed, he told me, you need to keep boot stomping through life. So, you know, I just try to take that approach with everything that I do, whether I'm on the court, off the court. I know he's proud of me. I'm walking through doors that God is opening. And it's like, I can like feel him smiling down on me and just his presence with me. So it's been okay. Yeah. It's been okay. I mean, never easy to navigate the loss of a loved one, of Mm -hmm. course, and especially someone who was so instrumental into getting you to do what you do today. Mm -hmm. I know that was at a young age that he came to you and was like, I think you should try playing basketball. What do you remember about that time? Oh my goodness. I mean, basketball was never on my radar. Sports was never on my radar. I'm like the girliest of girlies. I'm trying to be on a runway in heels and a dress. Like that has always been my vibe. You're 6'3? Yes. 6'3. Okay. With heels, probably like 6'6, six, 6'7. Six, six, hey. But yeah, he came to me one day, asked if I wanted to play. And I was like, not really, but like I wanted to make him happy. So I tried it. I was five years old. And then, you know, no looking back. So yeah. At five. Did you feel a sense of excitement for the game or was it just this thing that you felt like you were supposed to do? I didn't feel like I was supposed to do it. It was just a thing that my friends were doing. We were all just kind of there. I don't remember much of it, but when I see myself like on video from when my dad like filmed during that time, like I was just enjoying it. Like not knowing what I was doing, super (laughs) awkward, lanky, no type of skill, but just having fun. Were you tall from a young age as well? Yes. Okay. 
So we knew we knew sports were like in the future <laughs> in some capacity. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I did not appreciate my height when I was young, but now it's like my superpower. Oh, I love it. I love yeah. superpower. Okay. So <laughs> when then did you have a broader understanding that you were going to really run with sports? I started getting recruited in eighth grade. And I'm like first one in my family to go to college. I was just always so in the moment. I'm so grateful. Like my mom and my dad really just kept me grounded like day to day. So when I started getting recruited, I'm like, oh, like I can go to college and get a scholarship and get my education paid for through sport. Like I didn't even know that was a thing. And I was highly recruited. So I had a lot of options. And so that was an awesome process, being able to choose where I wanted to go and from there, I was like, oh, wow, like this basketball thing is going to take me some places. Yeah. Some places is an understatement. <laughs> also, so beautiful talking about you being the first one in your family to go to college. When you made that decision, not only to go to college, but then obviously also accept a scholarship and play, yeah. what was that like for your family? Mm. I would say they were super proud of me. I mean, like I said, being the first one, like the trailblazer and... I think it was just a moment of all the hard work paying off, all the tournaments that we went to every single weekend, you know, as a family, um, those special moments, it just kind of like paid off. Yeah. Also being able to go to college, not all that far from home was something that was helpful. I right would in assume. my backyard. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So when you get into this scene, talk to me about being a college athlete and what that looked like in practice for you. They kept us booked and busy in college. <laughs> like from the time you wake up, it's like, okay, you have an early practice. So you got to get food, go to practice, after practice, get some more food, get some recovery, ice bags on your knees. You're walking to class with those ice bags on your knees, class for hours, uh, maybe like five, six hours of class. Then you have um, tutoring and all those different things, other activities that you have like with your team. And then it's late night, you can go to sleep, but tomorrow like you do it all over again. Is the ice bags on the knees like common knowledge? Like, was I supposed to know that y'all were icing your knees walking to class? Um, no, people would probably look at us like, what are they doing? And it's like, yo, I just got out of a three-hour practice. Like, please don't look at me crazy Is right this now. also a tall woman thing? I think it's just an athlete thing. Okay. Yeah, tall, short. Like, you got to protect I mean, now, the, I, now I have bad knees. No, I mean, I get <laughs> Put it. Put the ice on the knees. I'll tell you, you get about 10 more. 15 more years on the knee on the knees. <laughs> I could use them. I feel like I'm in my mid 30s now mm -hmm. and literally like within the last year or two all of a sudden my knees were like speaking. And we were never speaking before. We were yeah. just like you know, coexisting. You got to speak back though oh, with the remedies, I'm you know? To tell them to stop speaking. <laughs> yeah. It's so awful. Okay. So, but then in college, things take another turn because it's not just like, oh, we're going to play college ball. It's like, oh no, we're going to take this somewhere else. Did you, oh. what did you major, major in in college? Sociology. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when you thought about life after college, what did you think of at first? That's such an interesting question because I don't even know if my mind was there. Like I think back, like like I said earlier, I've always been just so present, so grounded. Um, shout out to my dad for that because he always just like kept me in the moment. And I think that goes back to faith about just like um, not worrying about the days ahead of you just being in the day that you're in. So I didn't have a plan. I knew 
the things that I liked. I like traveling. I like fashion. I like food and culture and all these different things. I didn't know what I would do with that. And I definitely didn't think I was going to be a professional athlete. It's just so interesting to hear you talk about being so in the moment because when we started chatting, you were talking about how you wish you could be better at planning. Like you wish that you had the bandwidth or the opportunity, despite whatever else is happening with everybody else's decisions, to plan for yourself. So to hear that back in college, you were like, oh, I'm going to figure it out. I'm very much a go with the flow type of person. And I think that just comes with the lifestyle just because... Um, with basketball, I don't think a lot of people know, but a lot of WNBA players play overseas. I've played in 10 countries. And so when you have an option to play overseas, it could be like a team calls you from, I don't know, let's say Turkey. A team from Turkey calls you and they're like, hey, we want to pay you X amount. We want you to come for however long, let's say a month. Can you leave tomorrow? And it's like anything else that you planned in that time period is like out the window. It's like, I'm going to go get this bag. Mm -hmm. Uh, You got to tell your friends, family, I'll see y'all later. We'll plan something later. And I got to go. How does that feel? Like in, I asked this in, there's like an accepting of this is how it needs to be. Mm -hmm. But also, does that come with frustration about that this is how it needs to be? As far as like playing overseas? I guess playing overseas and that like you have to go there to get the bag. I mean, this will get into a much broader conversation about women in sports and paying and media time and all that stuff. But So I'm a very optimistic person. I always like to see like the bright side of things. For me, it was never a have to. It's I get to. And it's been the most enriching, beautiful experiences I've had in my life thus far. Living in all of these different countries, being able to travel. I have, I say, chosen family, people all over the world that that are in my network now just from playing basketball. Like those are priceless moments. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yes, we do want to be obviously paid better salaries in the WNBA. And I do see that coming and on the way in the future. But yeah, it was never a have to for me. Mm. It was like, ooh, I get to go here. I get to do this. Like, this is dope. (laughs) And that's just me. Everybody's different. But you know, it's it's interesting because I really appreciate that mindset. And it shows obviously such a growth mindset and that this view of opportunity. I have had the chance to talk to so many women on the show and it's not a shared mindset by any Mm. means. It's like, this is what I need to do for my family. And it can be really difficult to step away. Do you remember when you first accepted an opportunity to play overseas, what that was like for you? Totally. So I was in college and started learning about like WNBA overseas. This was my senior year when I knew like I was good enough to get drafted. I was being recruited, all of that. So um, I was talking to potential agents at the time. They're telling me about like overseas and my options. They said, China, South Korea, best places to go. That's where the bag is. So I was like, ooh, okay, I need to get to China or South Korea. My rookie year, Um, I got an offer to go to China, which is unheard of for rookies. So it was beautiful being able to go there for four months, had a good season there. A week after my season ends, I come home, chilling for three days. South Korea calls and they're like, hey, someone got hurt. Can you come pick up this contract? We need you for six weeks. So that's what I was saying, like with the planning, like at the time, I'm like, oh, I'm going to take a trip here. I'm going to do this and that. And then it was just like, no, I'm going to go to South Korea for a little bit. I am deceased. 
South Korea called. Yeah. The whole country was like, yo. Whole country. Monique, we gonna need you now. <laughs> right. They called and said, pull up. And yeah. you said, sure. Of course I'm gonna pull up. So awesome. Before this point in your life, had you done a lot of international travel? No, I think, I mean, I've done a couple trips, uh, really, really blessed just by going to a power five university. Mm -hmm. I was able to go to Australia. I went to Poland, the Bahamas, um, just through playing at UCLA, but never went on any trips on my own. Okay. And so I remember when I spoke to Neko Gumake and she Mm -hmm. talked to me about how lonely that experience was for her. Did you share those sentiments? At times, but I am the type that I'll just talk to anybody. Like I end up meeting people overseas and making friends. That's been the best part for me. Like basketball is cool. I enjoy it. I have fun. But for me, it's like meeting people. I have stories for days on just like being in different places, different situations, and then ending up at a, a local's house in whatever country. And you know, I'm waiting for one of these stories right now. Okay, let me let me give you a quick one. Okay. I'm going to Budapest. This was a year ago. I was in Turkey playing. I'm on a plane having small talk with this guy. Really nice, like older man. And he was like, I know this is really forward, but I want to invite you to dinner with my family, my wife, my kids. Like, we would love to host you. And I'm looking at him like, your wife, your kids. Like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, I doubt all that, but whatever. So we exchanged information. I'm debating and like, I don't have his socials. Like, I don't know this man, you know, but something in me was like, just go. So um, I'm staying at an Airbnb. I had like a little purse. I put like a little knife in my purse just in case. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I don't know. Sent people my location and I went. Amazing experience. He did have the wife. He did have the kids. <laughs> they were real. You know? And um, yeah, I had dinner with them and I was just like chilling with them and getting to know them. They were getting to know me and it was just a really beautiful experience. Were they originally from there? The wife was from there. She's Hungarian. And then he was from Italy. Wow. And he was a chef. So he chefed it up. And I'm still like in touch with them. Like they, he texted me the other day and was like, hey, me and the family just wanted to say hi. I hope you're well. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. love that. Mm-hmm. Have you always been an outgoing person? I would say so. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that is something that was learned behavior from what was around you? Or mm-hmm. like, where does that come from? That's a good question. I don't know if I've ever thought about that. I mean... <sighs> Yeah, maybe. Have you ever, like, so, like, do you remember when you were younger, were you always someone who was extroverted, like, down to be in front of people, like, or, yeah. It's so funny. I don't even know if I would call myself extroverted. I'm kind of, like, introverted, extroverted. Like, I'm very soft-spoken to myself, but I'm a broadcaster, and I, you know, I can speak in front of a crowd, in front of people. So it's kind of a weird dynamic, but I just love interacting with people, getting to know people. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. And like what cool stories you have from being okay, being open to the, you know, the things around you. Totally. So you get this offer Mm -hmm. to go abroad and you do it and you come back. And now we need to talk about getting into the WNBA. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about draft day. Oh my goodness. Um... So many just emotions that come with draft day. Not again, not knowing where I'm going to be. I had my agent there. I had my family there. When my name was called and I was going to Atlanta, totally was not expecting that. And low key, I'm like, uh, where's Atlanta? Like, I have no <laughs> idea. I'm from Cali, you know? So I know like Atlanta is a major city, but like I didn't know exactly. I didn't know much about it. So getting drafted there at first, there was a lot of uncertainty for me because I'm just like... I don't know anyone here and um, I just don't know how this is going to be. But in hindsight, best thing that could have ever happened to me. What 
about Atlanta did you fall in love with? Off the court, I would say the culture, the culture of just young individuals that are getting after it. Like I can relate to that because I'm in the same type of boat and seeing a lot of Black excellence and Black success there was awesome. And growing up in Southern California, you only see that in pockets, but in Atlanta, it's in abundance. You see it everywhere. So I think off the court that and then on the court, just opportunity. As a rookie, like I had a good amount of playing time. I was able to kind of solidify myself that year. That was actually my favorite year of basketball. We made it to semifinals. Yeah, it was just a great year. Yeah. What would you say, aside from being surrounded by so much Black excellence, also differentiated Atlanta from Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. I would just say the culture, like the food scene. There's so many different, uh, I would say, like pockets in Atlanta, like there's low key areas, there's more mainstream areas. In LA, a lot of people talk about like the superficial aspects of it. And there's, that's definitely a thing. You have to kind of know people or just be in different circles to not find that. But I think Atlanta was just like, uh, just a breath of fresh air for me. Yeah. So when you get drafted, put me in your shoes. I think it was just like an outer body experience for me. Um, When I go back and watch the video when they called my name, I'm not going to say I don't remember it, but it just happened so fast. You're just like, oh my gosh, okay, let me just look cute on this camera because I know there's (laughs) cameras. I know people are taking my picture. Like, let me just look okay. Definitely a sigh of relief. It's like, okay, I'm good. I know where I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. And did you at first, I mean, you had already been abroad at this point, but moving away from LA, were there feelings that went hand in hand with that? Yeah. Leaving my family. Um, I had I had a boyfriend at the time. Leaving him, like all those feelings and emotions. Like when I got to the airport in Atlanta, um, I cried. Yeah. Like waiting for my bag. I just sat on the seat waiting for my bag and I just cried. But yeah. Um, got my bags and then I was like, okay, I'm ready to start this new chapter. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about how it feels to try to maintain a personal life when you are constantly on the road, uh, going to and from games, also still traveling internationally. Yeah. Uh, how does that feel for you? It's all about balance for me. Uh, that's what, uh, the title of my book, Finding Balance. It's just Finding the things that I can do to make me feel not burned out from basketball, being able to have my social life and the things that make me feel like my highest self. So I would say my social life is pretty strong, super intentional about who I allow into my space, what I'm doing, where I'm at. Like I am very specific and particular about everything, but I love that because I think it just keeps me focused and being able to, like I said, keep that balance. Two things to double click on. First and foremost, balance and boundaries. For mm-hmm. someone who hears you say, I'm really good with my boundaries, mm-hmm. and they're like, How do I get better with my boundaries? What is it that you tell them? Well, I think you just need to assess what you're feeling inside when you're in certain situations. What makes you feel good? And it's like, Okay, I like how I feel right now. Let me do more of this. Let me add some more of this into my life. But also listening to yourself when you're in situations that don't feel so good. And it's like, Ooh, I don't like how I'm feeling. My spirit is kind of all over. I'm not grounded right now. Um, What do I need to do in the future to not put myself in this type of situation? So I think it's just going within, listening to yourself, evaluating, and then making decisions that will help you in the future. It's so interesting you say that 
knowing that after our conversation tonight at eight something, you're going to yoga. And this is something that you know that mm, maybe sleep could be nice, Mm -hmm. but also going to yoga is going to make me feel good. My future self is going to thank me for the fact that I did something like this. And I think that in practice, until you get to a point where you are exercising your boundaries, doing something like that can seem pretty daunting. It can feel overwhelming. It can feel like, I don't know how you... I I can't understand how you're able to execute this routine. I think, well, for me, being on the yoga mat, that's my me time. And I think everyone needs to find what their me time is. So no matter what that looks like, like that's me putting my phone away, kind of just separating myself from everything. And uh, again, that's me going within. Um, That's my time for that. And so I think it's important to find what works for you. Uh, 8 p.m. yoga class might not work for everybody, (laughs) but there's something that will work for you. It's all about trial and error. It's all about trial and error. The other thing that I wanted to double click on, of course, the book. The book. The book. What made you decide that you wanted to write a book? So I am so passionate about wellness and experiencing that in my own life. I want my peers and other people, fans, supporters, just everyone to be able to experience what wellness feels like, truly feels like. I was telling my manager that and he was like, you need to write a book. At the time, I'm 24. I'm like, yo, 24-year-olds don't write books. Like, I'm not trying to do that. But, um, you know, when you get that nudge inside, when spirit's like, yo, this is what you need to do. So I was like, okay. I, at the time, was playing overseas in Russia. It was winter, so I had ample time to write this book. And yeah, it was a beautiful process. I dedicated like my nights to writing. And so I would come home from practice or whatever. And I was like, okay, I'm going to write for a couple hours. And so, yeah, during that process, wrote the book and then went through getting an uh, an editor, illustrator, all of that, self-published, no ghost writer. So yeah, two years later, looking back on it, it's opened a lot of doors for me. It's helped a lot of people, which is the most important, important part for me. What did you learn about yourself in that process? I learned not to doubt and not to overthink because when you're called to do something, you just got to trust that that's your calling. You got to answer it and you have to have tunnel vision when it comes to it. And there was a lot of times in that process where I did not have tunnel vision. I'm like, is this really my calling? Like, like I said earlier, I feel like 24-year-olds don't write books. That's so not true. Anyone can write a book if you have a, a story that you need to tell and that that pulling that is inside of you of like, I want other people, like I said, to experience a good thing, a positive thing. So I would just say like, trust your path, trust your purpose, trust your path, don't overthink it and keep good people around you who will remind you that you are on purpose. That Mm. was big for me during that writing process. Who were those people for you? Definitely my manager, Chris Brown. Shout out to Chris because he was the one that pushed me into writing that book. My mom, uh, my sister, just my close, my close ones. Taking a break from the show today to talk to you about something that truly has changed my life and how I feel in my body. Listen, taking care of your health, it isn't always easy, but it should at least be simple. And that's why for the last five something years, I've been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel energized and focused and strong and candidly really ready 
to take on the day. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. Listen, I noticed a long time ago that I need more nutrient support than I used to, especially with training and traveling, working out, having long days. I need all the help I can get. But AG1, it covers my bases with high quality ingredients like pre and probiotics, adaptogens, antioxidants, and whole food sourced nutrients. I know if I drink it daily, I'm going to feel that extra boost. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that is exactly why I've partnered with them for so long. So if you want to take ownership of your own health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash hurdle. That's drinkag1.com slash hurdle. Go ahead, check it out. I really resonate with the sentiments you shared about questioning, albeit briefly, your why, mm-hmm. right? You were like, is this really what I think that I want to do? Mm-hmm. And I think there's room for like a broader discussion on that, right? Because I've been really big on this mantra lately where there's a why, there's a way. Mm. Knowing that if you have a reason to do something, then you're going to figure out how to get it done. Even in the moments that it feels inconvenient, even on the days where yoga is at eight o'clock, right? Like you're going to figure out how to get done. But that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be moments where you might think like, yeah, 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 right, right. And I think, yes, yeah, so much insecurity. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you, outside of writing the book, talk to me a little bit about other things that you're passionate about that you have a strong why for. I think that is something that is constantly evolving for me. So in this moment, I would say my why is to be what I didn't have when I was growing up. And that's just an example of strong Black female who is an athlete, but also embodies beauty, femininity. You know, when I was young, I looked up to Tyra Banks and I was like, that's who I want to be like when I'm older. But I didn't see the athletic side as well. Like I'm athletic. My body type is athletic. I am strong. And obviously being a basketball player, I embody those things too. And I never saw both of those things. Mm. And so, yeah, at this point in my life, I'm like, I want to show that it's possible to be both. You don't have to separate being an athlete, a woman's athlete from being feminine and beauty and those things. So that's what I'm trying to do in my career now. I'm like trying to draw parallels between you and any of the other WNBA players that I've interviewed. And you do give off like such a different vibe and energy. I mean, you're very, you are like, you present super soft yes. in like a way that's like very like welcoming and calming. Oh, thank you. That's such a nice compliment. <laughs> but, yeah. But I think that that's an example of like who, how do you want to be perceived and mm-hmm. what are you doing when you sit down with someone and like speak with them and give them your energy? Like, why are you a certain way? And if you're not the way that you're hoping that you're presenting, what's preventing you from being that way? I think so often we have these uh, assumptions or misconceptions about what might happen if we be ourselves. Mm. And if you're worried about being who you really are, then I would 
go as far as to say that you're surrounding yourself with the wrong people. Yes. Yeah. I think too, it's okay to to not be for everybody. I'm not for everybody. Like my soft-spokenness, my faith is big on for me. Like I know that I'm called to be the salt, light, and sweet fragrance of the earth. That's not for everybody. And that's okay. I don't feel like I need to prove anything to anyone or be something that I'm not. I am so comfortable in who I am and how I show up. And I know that that confidence makes a lot of people uncomfortable, but I have to understand, or I've come to understand that a lot of people just project. People don't like who they are inside. So they're going to hate on someone who does like who they are inside. And I think I've gotten to a point where I don't allow that to hurt me anymore. But when I was younger, I would say it definitely bothered me because I didn't understand. Like, I don't talk mess about people. I'm in my own lane doing my mm-hmm. own thing. Like, why are, Why is so-and-so hating on me? But it's just a part of the process of when you know who you are, like there's, that's going to come. Do you remember the turning point or the hurdle moment that maybe you got to a point where you understood the benefit of what you just said, where you stopped caring so much about what other people think? Yeah, I think it's always been a process. I don't think it was just like one moment, but I think there were a lot of moments that I've collected starting, I would say, probably in like elementary and then high school, middle school and then high school. Like there's just all these moments that have led me to where I am today, where I can confidently just walk and have peace and just know like, this is who I am. This is how I'm showing up. So yeah. For someone that struggles embodying the confidence that they know is deep within, do you have any tips for them? I would tell that person to find what they admire about someone who they deeply admire. Maybe it's a celebrity, a friend, and then try to embody those qualities. Like what about that person makes you feel good? When you're around someone and their aura, their energy, their spirit, um, try to embody those things. I feel like you're going to have a good answer to this. (laughs) I'm sorry if I'm putting you on the spot. What are your biggest values? Biggest values, my faith, Mm -hmm. um, being a Christian, my family, um, living on purpose. Elaborate on what it means for you to live on purpose. Living on purpose for me is being true to myself, walking in my authenticity. And like I said earlier, being a light, that's walking in my purpose. Mm. I ask you what your values are because I believe that when you can concretely articulate what it is that's important to you, then it's no surprise to me that you feel good standing in your confidence, Mm. that you feel good upholding your boundaries. And so for others, it's a point of frustration when they can't execute these things because they haven't taken the time to do the work to solidify who it is that they are. It's a practice. Like just how I started playing basketball at five years old, I'm 27 now, it has been a practice. I didn't come out the gate getting buckets, you know, dropping dimes. Um, it's it's a process and you just have to give yourself grace because it's still a practice for me. Like I'm saying all these things, but I am challenged daily in, okay, this person just irritated me. Am I going to show up in the way that I know I'm supposed to show up? Or am I going to go lower than how I know I'm supposed to show mm. up? And so I'm, I'm constantly challenged in that. And sometimes I pass the test, sometimes I don't. But it's like, I just have to realize that, take a second, reground myself, give myself grace and just keep going. In the execution of what you just described, how do you get to a place where you don't get down on yourself for actions that maybe you aren't so proud of when you reflect? 
That's a practice too. I, I would just say learning how to give myself grace, learning how to talk to myself like I would want a friend to talk to myself because it doesn't feel good when you're just tearing yourself down. And lately I've been really trying to focus on um, choosing the right thoughts, choosing thoughts that are empowering for me and understanding that my thoughts create my reality. So if I'm speaking negatively to myself, thinking negative things, like that stuff is going to show up in my life. But if I am empowering myself, speaking life into myself, that stuff is going to show up too. And so it's kind of just like a switch that you have to flip. And I'd be flipping that switch all the time (laughs) because I'm human. Like we're all human. We go through those negative emotions and things that don't feel so good, but you have to just practice and learn how to pull yourself up just like you would want a friend or a family member. It's like giving yourself a hug. Energy attracts like energy. Let's put it into practice, right? So you're telling me that you have been consciously choosing thoughts that lift you up. Exemplify. Yes. Okay. We're making a big effort here. (laughs) Exemplify that for me. Yeah. So last night, um, I've been traveling a lot lately. I'm exhausted. This has been a big week signing with the Sparks. Like it's been hectic, beautiful. I'm excited about it, but just like a lot. And so yesterday I was like, dang, like I haven't had me time. I haven't been able to do this. But then it's like, I had to change that because I'm like, I prayed for all of this. Like my dreams are literally happening. Like, let me just enjoy this because these moments aren't going to last forever. And I literally felt a shift in my body. And then I just felt like just, I don't know how to explain it, but just so much more positive in that moment, shifting my thoughts, changing the negativity from, dang, I'm tired. I'm irritated. I have to stay up late. I'm packing. But it's like, no, I get to. Like, I'm packing clothes that were sent to me by Athleta or, you know, (laughs) whatever. And just all these opportunities. And it's like, wow, like this is the life. Yeah. And as you say it like that, I can even envision or visualize this to be an exercise that someone who may not really be good at this just mm-hmm. yet can do on their own. So if you feel or you know think a negative thought, yep. recognize the negative thought, yes. write that negative thought down, mm-hmm. then maybe there's another negative thought that comes with that negative thought, yeah. write that down too. Yeah. To the right of that, ask yourself, how can I reframe this to work for me? What is it that my opportunity is now that I've recognized what is, which is the first step to changing anything, right? Then what can I do with this circumstance? And that doesn't mean that, you know, overnight you're going to be able to reframe and maybe put a positive spin on all of your thoughts. I think there's some statistic and I'm going to get it wrong now, but it's, I mean, a majority of our thoughts are negative every single Mm. day. So we have then the opportunity to decide how we react to those thoughts, knowing that we are not our thoughts. And I want to add, like, people don't have to be fake about it. Don't just say something just because you're supposed to say it. And I'm saying that with quotations because having a positive mind, everyone wants to have a positive mind. But it's like, I don't want people to have to fake it or feel like, dang, I'm saying these things, but I'm not really feeling it. It's just Mm. about finding perspective. This is how I feel about the power of like affirmations or mantras. Like I'm a very like realistic, but positive mantra person. Like I can, I will uh, do good. Like I just think about things that feel accessible to me. Mm -hmm. If thinking like really grand is something that feels right for you, I am not the person to tell you not to do it. But I know that for me, the way that positive affirmations and mantras work is it's like, let's keep them 
in a wheelhouse that actually feels accessible. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. <laughs> you mentioned uh, packing up your Athleta suitcase. Yes. You are an Athleta ambassador. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about what that journey has been like for you. So surreal. When I was a rookie, I wrote down brands and companies that I would want to work with. Athleta was on that list and I was presented with this opportunity a year ago. And so, yeah, being one of their athletes is just mind-blowing because I, I I wrote it down, but I didn't know it was actually going to happen. What else have you written down that's happened for you? I feel like we got to dig into that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I mean, I've worked with so many cool brands and partners. Like last year, I think in March, I wrote down I wanted to work with Hyundai got that opportunity uh, last November, which was super cool. Wrote down, I definitely wrote down that I wanted to go to LA or play for LA. That's happening now. I wrote down, I wanted to buy a house and I was kind of specific. I wrote down, I was like, I want to buy a house with the pool. Bought the house with the pool. What? Yeah. So I've been blessed. I've been blessed. You know, I really do think that like vision boarding or manifesting is probably one of those practices that has so much resistance around it. Mm. I think it's like one thing to write down a positive affirmation, but Mm. it's another thing to put on the wall. Like, here's my photo. Here's Oprah. And like, Oprah and I are going to have a sit down together. (laughs) Like, that just feels for some to be quite inaccessible. Mm. For you, when you were doing this exercise of writing down things that excited you or that you wanted to have happen in your future? Were there any parameters around it? That's a good question. Yeah, maybe. But I think I tried to just dream as big as I could. And when I write these things down, I am writing it down. And I feel like I know it's coming from from God, from within. And it's like, okay, if this is meant to be, like, please present this to me. Like, I'm open to receive it. And me knowing that I'm on the right path, no matter what, and just trusting that, I know that what's presented to me is, is for me. And whatever is not, whatever is not for me, um, it just wasn't meant to be. And that's totally okay. That radical acceptance is also something that takes practice. Oof. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> I feel as though in my life lately, I've been working to get to this place where I am okay with accepting things as they come and being a little less rigid about trying to make it all happen for myself. And that I can do the work and put my all into things, but know that the 18th follow-up email, like if you're sending an 18th (laughs) follow-up email, that means this wasn't for you in the first place. Yeah, probably not. Yo, that's so hard though, especially when there's something that you're really going after, right? Yeah, there's uh, a mantra that I like to live by. It's called flow. And And the F is focus. L, live in the energy. O, outcome detachment. And W is work. Okay, where did this come from? I don't remember. I think a couple years ago, I might have heard it on a podcast or read it somewhere. But that's how I try to live my life, just being in the flow. So focus, living in the energy, outcome detachment, putting in the work. And I feel like when you do that, you're just surrendering and just allowing what's for you to come and just trusting that you're going to be guided. You're going to be protected. You're going to be end up right where you're supposed to be, right on time. Mm, Right on time. Mm -hmm. So now in this new chapter with The Sparks... I want to interrupt. This is a new book. Not even a new chapter. We are in a new book. (laughs) She turned the page. She closed the covers. Like in this new book (laughs) with The Sparks, what would you say is the most exciting thing for you? 
I am going to reach my potential in this new book. I'm excited because I feel like I haven't even scratched the surface on who I know that I can be and what's inside of me. And that's one, scary, but two, very exciting. And I just know that there's going to be opportunity there for me. Elaborate. Like, I'm reaching my potential. Like, what in your... You close your eyes. You envision your biggest potential. You envision what's meant for you. Like, what's on the board? I'm just trusting that there's going to be so much alignment on the court, off the court. I am expecting, I am believing that I'm going to be the basketball player that I know I can be. I'm going to reach the milestones, the goals that I have. That's what I'm feeling. What is the most difficult part for you right now when it comes to the game? Overthinking. Mm. Man. Like I'm t- saying all this stuff about not being in your head. Again, it's a practice. Your girl be in her head sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I overthink and question. And man, is this really meant for me? You know, am I supposed to be doing this? Those what are- do you do when those intrusive thoughts come in? When those thoughts come in, one, pray. Two, I have a circle of people, my chosen family, um, who kind of bring me back in and remind me of my light, remind me of who I am. Because it is easy to get lost in the sauce sometimes. Like, that's real. But I have people around me who help to remind me. And then another thing, um, I scrolled through my camera roll. Like, Ooh, I, I look through my tip. camera roll and I'm just like, wow, there's been like through over the years and just remember one who I am, remember the places that I've gone, the opportunities that I have. And I feel like that gives me just a sense of joy and just reminds me of uh, all that I am. You mentioned holistic wellness being extremely important to you. I would love to know, aside from integrating yoga regularly into your routine, what are certain things that are part of your regular practice? Yeah, my morning ritual. So for me, it's prayer, it's meditation, it's listening to positive sound bites, uh, YouTube, you know, or podcasts, just fueling myself, fueling myself mentally and spiritually eating the right foods, foods that my body likes. And it's not always the super healthy option. Like sometimes I'm going to eat a donut burger, but (laughs) for the most part, (laughs) for the most part, I am super healthy and disciplined with my diet. Yeah, I would say those are my biggest practices. All about just listening to yourself and what you want, what you like and what makes you feel good, what fuels you. That helps me in my holistic wellness. Do you have like certain podcasts that you lean into regularly or certain uh, YouTube accounts that you go to? Yeah. Okay, elaborate. Okay. Podcast in hindsight. He's amazing. Balanced Black Girl. Oh, She's great. Oh, is my good friend. Hey! hey. Yeah, I like her podcast. <laughs> um, Jay Shetty's podcast is cool. Ed Milet. Those are a couple of my favorites that I'll go back to. Um, Mark Manson just mm-hmm. came out with a podcast. I really like his podcast too. YouTube-wise, what am I listening to? There's a prayer channel on YouTube. I think it's called like Living for Purpose. So mm-hmm. when I wake up in the morning, like that's what I put on when I'm getting ready. Those are essentially my affirmations. It's like prayers and Bible verses. So I feel like that is something that really fuels me too. Question mark donut burger? Yes. Uh, elaborate on that as well. So I'm going to give a shout out to one of my favorite restaurants in LA. It's called Oh My Burger. And they have a burger. It's called the Luther. It's two Krispy Kreme donuts. It's burger patty, cheese, bacon. And then you got to get the side of fries, which is the garlic fries. And then you got to get the peach cobbler milkshake. 
the array of flavors that just like <laughs> I'm I'm having a moment. I'm gonna be in LA in March yes. and then in May. Yeah. So it's this is ten minutes from the airport too. This so. is gonna happen. Yeah. So you're saying too. there should be a line at this spot and not the In and Out drive through right before LA. Oh my gosh, for sure, <laughs> for sure. But actually, no, because well, I don't want to gatekeep, but you know, if there's a line at my spot, then. <laughs> You know, that's kind of messed up. That's kind of messed up, but yeah. you tipped everybody off. Right, right. You're not gatekeeping anything. Facts, facts. Okay, so we have the occasional donut burger, yes. but bigger than that, we're talking about foods and things that fill us up, that yeah. help us feel our best self to go throughout the rest of the day. Clearly, morning routine, super important to you. Do you have a wind down routine? I do. So I have a morning routine. For me, it's good to have like a midday rest. I love a nap, but if even if I can't take a nap, just taking some time off my phone and maybe just just being still for a little bit. And then, yeah, in the evening, uh, I, I give myself a little bit more um, flexibility when it comes to my evening routine, just mm-hmm. because it's not as easy for me to plan where I'm going to be or if I'm on the road traveling. So it looks different. But Definitely, again, trying to be off my phone, trying to uh, have good habits. So whether that is meditating or reading a book, I've been trying to implement that in 2024. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. You're giving me an opportunity to ask you, what's the why behind wanting to integrate reading more often into your routine? And less screen time, okay. more reading. Yeah. And phys- for me, physical books. Like I got to hold the book. I don't want to be on a Kindle or anything like that. But knowledge is power. And if I know like there's places that I'm trying to get to, then I know that my mind, is, I need to put my mind to work. So this is a great example of having a why for a goal, right? Mm-hmm. So like say if your goal is, do you have a specific amount of pages or like a book goal you're trying to hit? 12 this year. Okay. Mm -hmm. So great example. You know that you want to read 12 books over the year. You have this strong why rooted in who you want to be. Also less screen time, like so many things. Someone may have the same goal, but Mm -hmm. their why is because they quote unquote feel like they should. Mm -hmm. That's not a good why. Yeah. Okay. So this is a really good example of like setting a goal and knowing exactly what the route is that you want to go for. Yeah, totally. So... Moving forward for you, so the house is in LA mm-hmm. that you bought. No, no, no. The house is in Atlanta. Oh my goodness. Yeah. What's happening in the house? So it's an investment property. It's on <laughs> okay, Airbnb. Okay, 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 it's fine. getting rented out. So it's making money. <laughs> it's making money. Are we going to buy another house in LA? I mean, that's definitely the plan. <laughs> definitely the plan. <laughs> definitely the plan. What would you say has been one of the most difficult moments of your pro career? Most difficult moment for me, I just feel like I've always been an underdog. Like even since high school, I feel like I've been slept on, always having to like prove myself, have this chip on my shoulder. But I also feel like that has allowed me to make it to where I am today because I I have to outwork people. And I'm not going to say I have to prove myself, but I can never be comfortable. Mm, I can never be comfortable. What do you think that uh, lack of comfortability does for your game? I would say it just always makes me want to get to that next level. Like I'm not complacent. I know that if I do something well, maybe in a game, celebrate that for the night. But then the next day, it's like back to work. Like I never just want to be content or just stuck in one place of, oh, I'm good. It's like, no, I know that there's more in me. Like, 
yeah, I'm in a good spot maybe or in a good place and I feel good about my performance or where I'm at in my life, but there's more to get done. There's more ceilings to shatter. You feel as though you've always been an underdog. Mm -hmm. Has there been like a conversation or interactions that you've been a part of where that has been told to you as well? No, I would say it's more shown instead of told. Mm. Being slept on for for different opportunities. Ooh, mm-hmm. I feel like there's something there. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot there. There's a lot there, but it's, it's a part of the journey. Yeah. It's just a part of the journey. Wow. She's so kind. Oh, thank you. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I just don't need to give this any energy. Exactly. Don't need to give it any air. I mean, that's a really interesting point, right? That's another example of there's just so much power in the perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like you recognize like, okay, maybe I've been slipped on for this, but like, I'm not going to give my energy to that anymore. Like I'm yeah. focused on what's coming next. Exactly. I never want to be like, woe is me or look on, look at outer things that I can't control. I can't control being slept on. I can control the work that I do. I can control getting to a place where I feel good Mm -hmm. and knowing that I'm putting out my best work, knowing that I'm showing up as my best. And if people continue to sleep, I feel good about what I'm doing, getting to that point. Oh, it's so valuable. It's such a good place to be. Because you are showing up and putting in so much work, Mm -hmm. what would you say um, might be a little bit different about your game compared to someone who may not have that, uh, let's say that dog in them like that? Oh, extra work is going to 8 p.m. yoga class. (laughs) It's... um eating the right things. It's it's more than just the stuff that's on the court. It's watching film. It's mentally preparing myself. It's being diligent about how I'm spending my time on the court. It's making sure I, I'm getting the reps so I feel prepared and that confidence comes from preparation. So it's just being super disciplined and just diligent in my routines. What excites you right now? I am excited about opportunity. Opportunity. Mm-hmm. When uh, someone comes to your Instagram page, they see this WNBA player, also an Athleta ambassador with so many followers. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? I'm really happy with who I see in the mirror. I feel like when I was a young girl, this is who I envisioned. This is who I wanted to be. And so being her is just like, oh, dang, okay, we're here. Let me continue to envision, like, what's next? Where are we going next? When I look in the mirror, I feel encouraged and empowered. Oh, wow. That's really strong stuff. How does it feel to say something like that? I mean, in the most humble way possible. Like, I I, I don't want to come off, like, cocky or pretentious or anything like that. But saying that, it, it's it's real. Like, I just feel like I'm living in my truth. I'm living in my power. And I have so much more room to to grow and to continue to become. And so that's also what excites me. There's just so much more that I can reach for. Yeah. Uh, right now, you have an opportunity to offer yourself a piece of advice. Let's go uh, back to the beginning of your professional career, knowing what you know now, going through the highs, the lows, the hurdles that come hand in hand with being fresh on the scene. Yeah. What do you tell yourself? Rookie Monique was trying to rush and trying to race to get to where I am now. And it's gone so fast. I would tell her to enjoy the moment by enjoying the view on the way up the mountaintop, not just when you get to the top of the mountain. We love it. 
Uh, for those that don't follow along with you just yet, tell us, give us the info. How do they keep up with you? Yeah, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. Monique Billings. Monique Billings. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. 